0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single Sunday from noon until two eastern time to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world and bringing you guys the intersection of common sense and facts. Now, there's a lot of... Well, there's a huge deficit of common sense, it would appear, going on in the news. But the first thing that I have to do is make a very sincere apology uh, to the world. Uh, I made a joke at the opening of last week's program where I said that the Biden administration was trying to find George W. Bush's weather machine that the uh, left claimed existed. Uh, That caused Hurricane Katrina because he was going to try to accelerate Hurricane Henri that was going to hit the East Coast so he could get anything but Afghanistan out of the news cycle. Now, a week later, Afghanistan's even more prevalent in the news cycle because apparently they could screw it up even more. And there's a hurricane about to hit Louisiana on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, and it has been upgraded to a Category 5. So I apologize to everybody for even giving the Biden administration the idea. <laughs> I'm trying not to clip yeah. it. I'm sure some people might get offended by that. Oh, you shouldn't make jokes no. about things like this. But No, you
1: definitely should make jokes about things like that.
0: So I do want to cover that real quick. So Hurricane Ida is slated to hit uh, Louisiana. Uh, it was 50 miles off coast about an hour ago. It has been upgraded to a category five. Um once again, it looks like the city of New Orleans is horrifically unprepared. Uh there how? were sta- there were statements <laughs> like how? I don't I, right. Uh there were statements that were made by the mayor of uh Louisiana, which I've seen equated on social media to I hope you know how to swim, good luck. Uh but yeah. it was uh there's no time for an evacuation. So just you know, shelter in place. This actually looks a lot like this. Looks like it will be a potential repeat of what we saw with Hurricane Katrina, where the uh, Democrat mayor of Louisiana screws everything up. Uh, Louisiana still has not learned its uh, lesson from any of these things, uh, any of the previous hurricanes that have occurred. Uh, but at least now we have a Democrat uh, mayor, a Democrat governor, and a Democrat president. Um, so mm-hmm. perhaps we'll be, you know, lucky to, you know, they they won't have anybody to uh, blame. <laughs> they won't have any Republicans yeah. in the chain to blame. I know a lot of people are going to complain and say, like, "Oh my God, why do you have to politicize everything?" And I'll explain. Because everything's political. Well, so there's that. <laughs> the The other thing that I would explain as well is because we know, I have the foresight to explain here, and we know that they are going to politicize this. Yeah. Now, one thing I will point out is very similar to what we saw during Katrina when they talked a lot about the dykes. Yeah. Uh Is I saw a post that said, let's see here. Uh there are several drainage pumps that are out of service right now. Uh heading like with the oncoming hurricane that's about to happen. So now granted it's pretty regular for them to have drainage pumps offline, but it's this is this is this has a very strong potential of going very badly. Uh, I hope everybody in New Orleans is fine. I hope nothing bad comes from this. But what I will say is, if this does turn out to be a massive tragedy, we will see the narrative spin like we are in Afghanistan, where uh, Joe Biden's going to pat himself on the back for the largest U.S. disaster response in history. uh because this it is, is how it's so it works tiring. Now. Yeah, this is how it works. The Democrats completely screw something up through their ineptitude uh, and dumbassery, and then they celebrate themselves for trying to fix it by spending trillions of dollars and talking about how big it is. Everything in our country
1: is just incompetent anymore. Like you think you would have been like, "Wow, Hurricane Katrina! All of these dikes didn't work. That's a really big problem." The city, like the corruption within the. Louisiana, the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana and set the situation up for Hurricane Katrina to be super bad. Let's hey, everybody, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. And then instead of that, everybody went, yeah, let's just like the, 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 the let's just let the corruption keep going so that it's also a problem later. What
0: well, do you remember? Like, how exciting? What a
1: what a damning indictment of the uni- of the people and government of the United States that we can't even solve problems that we know are problems. Like, we're so stagnant and locked into this just complete failure of bureaucracy that even when things are known to be glaring problems, we still are prevented from solving them because the people in charge have no interest in actually solving problems, just exploiting those problems for more power.
0: There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, don't think it could be made any more succinct than that. And we are absolutely going to see this. This is going to be, you know, if this turns into a tragedy, if this is a Category 5 hurricane that hit, makes landfall, that destroys things and results in the death of people, it's not going to be blamed on the ineptitude. Uh, 16 years ago, this occurred, this situation occurred, and there should have been lessons learned. And, you know, uh, things basically lessons learned and, and things updated and taken to prevent this. If that's not the case and a similar tragedy occurs through what is almost certainly going to be the ineptitude of government. Now, don't get me wrong. Natural disasters happen and it's not like the government has the power to stop them. Yeah, but lightning um, but, isn't supposed to strike twice in the same place. Uh, yes, right, right, and that's that is a very good point to make here. So actually, no, never mind. I'm going to say that that's totally the wrong
1: analogy because the thing with that analogy is, if you get you know if lightning strikes somewhere, it's okay because it's not going to strike twice in the same place. Uh, hurricanes do strike twice in the same place, and so you do something about it after it's revealed your hurricane response is wholly
0: inadequate. Right. <laughs> ah. But, the real question here is how is this actually Trump's fault? Yeah. It's oh, probably I, Bush's
1: fault. No, I, I'm I, gonna, I
0: mean, I'm sure we're going to... I am certain we're going to see that get dragged out. Oh, it's Bush's fault for not responding after Hurricane Katrina appropriately. No, it, well, what'll be hilarious about it is... is I, I, I don't know because the big thing that they had uh, when it was Katrina because Republicans were in charge was they didn't care... Uh, Because it was black people. And then you got the mayor of New Orleans celebrating that he was going to remake New Orleans into a chocolate city. That's a real quote. Uh, He was going to remake New Orleans into a chocolate city.
1: And Um, I want to know what civil engineers were part of that discussion. Because they would know that chocolate is a very poor substrate when confronted with a storm surge. It's just going to fold. Like you need concrete. Is what you need to build it out of. I mean, this just shows the rot in our institutions.
0: <laughs> I was really wondering where you were going to go, and I was nervous for a second. Um, <laughs> I, oh, God. Now, so, so that happened. Um, <laughs> just uh, uh, So they don't have the racism aspect of things because it's a Democrat governor, it's a Democrat mayor, and a Democrat president. Um, so obviously the next step is going to be it's climate change. Uh, because, uh, yeah. yeah, because nobody did anything about climate change, uh, because Donald Trump was in office for four years. Uh, that's why, that's why new Orleans got hit with a hurricane again. And the same thing happened is every time new Orleans gets hit with a hurricane, uh, because you built a city below sea level, but, um, no, no, it's not that
1: it's not that you built a city below sea level. It's that you built a city below sea level and then corrupt politicians and corrupt government Keep preventing you from doing things about it. You know what other cities below sea level? Amsterdam. A bunch of, like, Holland. The country is below sea level, and they don't have these problems. Now, granted, they might not be getting hit with hurricanes, but if they were, I guarantee you they would just go, oh, we developed a system of, say, dikes and pumps and systems to make sure this isn't a problem, whereas the city of New Orleans just sort of squanders all its money on rewarding politicians and then blaming people
0: when it inevitably fails. Right. So, well, so we'll keep track of it. Um, I guess that's the big thing in the live chat. If you guys want to vote, what do you think the uh, what do you think the blame is going to be? Who 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 is going to get blamed uh, as a deflection from the Democrat politicians in charge? Because that's the name of the game. That's how it works. Uh, Old goat is saying that uh, the red states just wanted to kill all the nutria. Um, so, Mm -hmm. but so that's, that's occurring right now. That's what's happening. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see if any, any news comes out regarding this hurricane. So everybody just kind of prepare for weather. I obviously don't, you know, I don't want to see people in Louisiana get hurt. Um, but you know, it's, it's inevitable, right? It, I'm not. I am not suggesting that anybody has a weather machine, but if you had a weather machine and you were Joe Biden, you would want a Category 5 hurricane to hit something right now so people would stop talking about Afghanistan. We made that mm. joke last week, and this is what's so prescient True. about this. We made that joke last week because of how bad the reporting was when it came to Afghanistan at that time. We were reporting just the rampant ineptitude Of what was going on with the evacuation in Kabul. I did not think that I would come back to this microphone seven days later, and we would have to say that it got worse. At the time, on Saturday or on Sunday last week, Alan and I were making the joke, or making the joke, but also asking the question of what was going to be the narrative what was going to be the chosen narrative for them to flip around to try to make this look like they didn't have an epic screw-up. And then this week, we actually had Marines killed. Yeah. And, you know, today is the day that the remains of those Marines are arriving uh, at Joint Base Andrews. And so... You know, I I believe the total is 13 or 14 now because there was a Marine who who, as I as I saw early this morning, uh, died due to his injuries. Right. So. um, This sucks. Uh, So the the rough part here is uh, I I mentioned Marines, by the way, just because uh, with respect to uh, I don't like referring to a naval corpsman as just a sailor because it's a very different situation. Naval corpsmen are attached directly to the Marines. Um, yeah, I, I mean I'm I sure
1: there are Marines that will argue this point, and maybe even corpsmen as well. But you're a Marine medic. I know I know I know people get get upset about that, but it's just like you're a Marine medic. Like I, it, that. I no, oh, it's a Navy corpsman. I'm like ah, yeah, technically true, but. Like, come on, everybody. Honestly, you're a medic that works exclusively with Marines. They don't really do a whole lot else. I think I can just shorten it to, now it's a Marine medic. It's a medic for, for the Marine Corps. Maybe he's got a fancy name, but it's just easier to say
0: Marine medic. Right, right. Well, and let, let's be honest. If you're a Naval Corpsman, you like the idea that, you know, you wear a Marine uniform. and <laughs> like, That's
1: true.
2: The, I don't the, know. The Maybe
1: they
0: get upset about
1: it, but honestly, yeah. I just kind of. It seems like that's just such a bizarre thing. For, it is a hang-up that a lot of people have. Like, no, 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 no. He's a Navy corpsman. Well, it's like I the I always Force. wonder, like, why are you so why are you so quick to like make sure the medics you have don't get the honor of being associated with the Marine Corps?
0: Well, because they want them associated with the with the Navy. You know, I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I don't
1: know. It, it, it's their thing. It's their thing. I, mean, I should, probably shouldn't criticize their thing. It just always seemed, it seems just silly to me. Like, that just seemed like, why are you making all the effort to distance yourself from the medics that are patching up your soldiers? Why not just, also, why does the, why does the Marine Corps not just have medics? That seems like, I, if you were the Marine Corps, it would be more prescient to have medics than it would be to have Marine Corps pilots. If the pilots were all Navy pilots, that would make more sense than the medics being all medics, being all Navy personnel. I don't know. But just the way it's they're, they're structured, that's their thing, I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that there's a logical reason. We just don't know because we're Army guys. We
1: That's very true. I'm yeah.
0: sure they have good reasons for all of these, and I just am uh,
1: uh, woefully ignorant of them.
0: <laughs> but so so that that, that occurred. Uh, I can't say it was unexpected, um, no. to be honest. In fact, you talked about it a little bit on Sunday where you were, you know, last week where you were like, these guys could just literally just drop mortars. And like completely halt everything that's going on in Afghanistan. Well, they basically figured that they figured that part out. Now, something I I have to bring up because there's there's reports that came in today this morning where supposedly uh, a a U.S. airstrike hit suicide bombers that were heading to the Kabul airport that happened today. And it also supposedly they were able so that that's like the breaking news as of about a half an hour ago is U.S. military strikes car carrying multiple suicide bombers en route to the Kabul airport, according to officials. Now, additionally, we saw a U.S. airstrike. Was it yesterday that supposedly took out two people that were, quote, involved with the bombing? Uh, Except the Department of Defense refused to name the people they took out. I mean, maybe you didn't
1: know their names. Maybe that's the thing.
0: It's I, sure. I mean, that's possible, I suppose. But also, I I have a very serious question. So right now, this is this is the whole thing, um, and I'm not I'm not trying to be an asshole here. But the whole idea here is, oh, see, Joe Biden is getting vengeance for the death of our 13 personnel in Kabul. Okay, yeah. so here's a very serious question. How the hell do you have the intelligence capable of taking out two people who planned this attack, now capable of taking out an attack in progress with an airstrike, but you didn't have the intelligence capability of interdicting an attack in Kabul just a few days ago?
1: Yeah, that's the part that we talked about that was very strange. So apparently right after this attack on U.S. forces at the... Kabul airport the next day they drone striked the supposed planner of the attack that's a very strange timeline because it means that you were already you already had a target package fully approved and processed on this bad guy and you it's like you didn't act on it like I think I think people don't really understand how bizarre that is It's like, you have a country where people could be literally anywhere, and your intelligence on this target is so up to date, is being, through effort, through a lot of effort, being kept so up to date that you can uh, kill the guy with a drone strike the next day, it's just very strange that the target was considered so high priority that you were able to do that, and yet you couldn't stop the attack or you couldn't even warn that was that's it it's not that you couldn't stop the attack it's that you couldn't even warn the marines like if if your target is so well known and being followed so closely this guy who's supposedly planning this attack on u.s forces at the kabul airport you didn't warn the commander on the ground hey there might be a imminent attack in your forces adopt a different security posture that does not seem to have been passed on to the commander on the ground. But then they were able to drone strike this guy the next day. The whole thing's very weird. And there is at least some potential. Now, this, gets, uh, this is not backed up by any, anything other than conjecture. It sounds a lot like you just fired a missile into the desert for the propaganda win of saying, Well, we got the guy, everybody. Nothing to see here. Nothing to worry about. We got the guy. It's like, did they actually even kill anybody with that strike or did they just tell us they did so people would stop asking questions? It's the same thing with ISIS-K. What the hell is ISIS-K? We've never heard of this before. Supposedly it's ISIS from Khorasan, which is kind of this imaginary, like, fictional country that's sort of in, I guess, Afghanistan that crosses into Pakistan, like the Khorasan region. It's like ISIS of Khorasan. Okay, maybe there's ISIS dudes out there, but that just all sounds very strange. It sounds like you had some dudes attack a bunch of Marines, and you're inventing all of this stuff and killing some imaginary leader to make us all think that the threat went away. I don't, again, I don't have anything to back that up, and I don't want to spread unnecessary spread rumors, but. That is as good of an explanation as, oh, this group called ISIS-K kind of emerged out of nowhere and we just drone strike the guy the next day. That seems so bizarre that I have to – and that seems so bizarre and the administration and media have proven they are willing to lie to me on this scale that I kind of now have to question and look into, is ISIS-K real? Did they actually drone strike this guy or did some disaffected Taliban guys whose fathers, sons, and wives had been killed over the last 20 years in U.S. airstrikes – get together and say we want to get our blood before these guys leave. I mean at I I'm going to I feel like rogue afghan elements that might not even necessarily be Taliban but just angry dudes who whose families we killed over the 20 years might have just been like we want to get blood before the Americans leave. And now everybody's rushing around to cover up for that fact because in no because that does not that does not paint a very pretty picture of the US leaving imagine if that was the reporting. Oh yeah. Some, um, there's a, there's a group in Afghanistan that, uh, let's say, let's even say they call themselves ISIS K let's say that's even real. Oh, well who fills out that group? Oh, it's filled with um young men whose families were murdered by drone strikes and they want to make sure to get revenge on Americans. Everyone's going to, I feel I'd look at that and kind of go, well, yeah, that sucks. But I mean, can you blame them? Like, it it would be it would be recalling things that nobody wants to talk about with Afghanistan, which is the number of Afghan civilian casualties. I remember when Obama was drone striking weddings, etc. The Taliban might like let's say the Taliban's not behind it. They like that's the official line of the administration. OK, well, who is behind it? A, a bunch of dudes that are pissed at Americans and want to make sure they get American blood. Now, screw those guys. But at the same time, the administration does not want to talk about the fact that we're essentially in a country. We have Marines whose asses are hanging in the wind in a country filled with people who are really pissed at Americans and are out for blood. How many people have lost brothers, sons, husbands, wives, children to American airstrikes over the past 20 years? There is every reason to believe that there is a large group of people in Afghanistan that are suffering that and desperate for revenge against Americans, which is why the idea that we have Marines so poorly supported trying to deal with mobs of Afghans that they cannot vet and cannot control stuck at this airport with a single runway while we are trying to ad hoc evacuate All friendly forces from the country, in addition to every Afghan that shows up with a piece of paper, is the utmost of insanity. It doesn't – that is insane to me. The fact that you don't have some well-supported entry control point, I I don't – it just is baffling that you would allow this situation after 20 years. I remember at the base we were stationed at which was in a relatively secure region. We had an entire entry control point that was almost – that would have been – that was basically a killing field lined with machine gun nests and concrete barricades. Why? Because we were – we acknowledged the threat posed by suicide bombers and and insurgents posing as police. We had to check the IDs of every Afghan police or army personnel coming onto or off of our base – because the threat of insider attacks or suicide bombers was so high. Did we just forget all of those lessons in the past month and just go, no, 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 just have Marines out there swarmed by crowds of civilians. I'm sure no one's going to take
0: advantage of that situation.
2: So, What I the mean,
0: hell? There is definitely a lot to be said to the idea that every tactic that has gone on within basically what led to the death of the, of the, these uh, to of the personnel out there. It, it does. It does. It absolutely You sit there and you look at it and you go, how, how the hell could this have happened? Because like, who didn't see something like this coming? If you know, you have a massive crowd of people sitting there, of course, of course, these people are going to attack, but to the point that you were making a little bit, let's, let's just dress this up for a second now it's been known for years that isis has had some activity in afghanistan now isis k wasn't really something that was bandied about i've been out of the game for uh some years now but like we just called it isis because it was just it was isis didn't really kind of matter if they you know whatever there's different factions anyway the point that i want to make here is this an attack occurred uh u.s personnel were killed And then the, first of all, one thing I will note is the day that that occurred, it was absolute silence from this administration. Every aspect of the executive branch was silent until the president uh, gave a press conference regarding everything, which to me immediately states that they did a media lockdown Until they could do what they seem to be the what seems to be the only priority. And we'll get to this a a little bit later in the program, which is optics. It was nobody say anything until we ensure that we have the best optics. They didn't want anybody talking because that could take away from the chosen narrative and the best optics because that's their priority. That's the entire priority of this administration is how things look. Not how they end up, not what's actually done, but how it looks and how they can spin it in their lapdog media. Now, right. part of what they did is they came out and they said, this: is, the responsibility for this attack falls on ISIS-K. And let's just be honest here, the majority of Americans went, I've never heard of that before. So, of course... The White House goes, oh, yeah, no ISIS-K? Yep, yeah, that's a big deal. They're a big deal in Afghanistan because we're smart. We're super smart, and we know about this. That hmm. was the dumbest direction you could have taken. But I'll explain why it was the only direction they could take. They had to act like they were super smart, and it was this well-known group that That no one's ever talked about in the media before. No Americans have ever really heard about before. Doesn't mean they don't exist. Just means that nobody was ever talking about it. So suddenly they go, oh, no, we know all about this. Oh, okay. So you're telling us like their way of trying to handle this was saying, oh, we know all about this huge threat in Afghanistan called ISIS-K. How does that make you look better? You were fully aware that there was this other like group of insurgents that were operating. You knew that thousands of them got released from prison like the month preceding all of this. And you were just you're just so bad at your job that even though you knew that there was this massive threat that thousands of them were released from prison, you just went, no, it's okay. Let's crowd everybody in a fatal funnel around an airport. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, but this is exactly why that was the only thing that they could go with, because what were their other options? If it was the Taliban, then you can't leave Afghanistan because the Taliban just attacked U.S. personnel. If it's a group of angry Afghans, well, you're currently loading unvetted Afghans by the thousands onto cargo planes and flying them to the United States. This is something that nobody wants to talk about because, once again, the media has kowtowed everybody into screaming the narrative, What about all the Afghans who helped us? What about the women and children? Once again, your emotions are being used against you and manipulated for the, obviously, for Kabul to look exactly like the southern border. This has now become a an entry vector, like, The response that the Biden administration has had at Kabul was come one, come all. If you can get on a plane, congratulations, you're an American citizen. That's what's happening right now. Now, they're going to claim to us that it's just special immigrant immigrant visa holders. I question that a lot because this is a lot of people. Like, yes, we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years. Yes, we have had a lot of people help us as, like, translators and interpreters. Not 120,000.
1: No, no. So this is something that is very easy for them to disguise. And the more—when you brought it up, we started thinking about it, and it seems bizarre. Interpreters who worked for U.S. forces are given— the option to come to the United States. But that's not that long after they're done working as an interpreter because the interpreters we worked with in 2012 are almost all in the United States already. Correct. Yeah. Which which brings the question. That means that if the ones from 2012 are already here, the ones from 2010, 2008, 2005 – up until 2012, that means probably the vast majority of those interpreters have also already immigrated. Right? Yeah. So who's left? If the ones from 2012 were are in the United States, and I think they've been here for at least a year. At least, I think a couple years even. Oh, they've
0: been here for years.
1: Yeah, they've been here for a couple years. I seem to remember And again, maybe don't quote me on this, but it was something along the lines of if you served as an interpreter for after two years of serving as an interpreter, you got the option to come to the United States. Now, that might not be necessarily true, but I just kind of remember that as something that I picked up on. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the fact that by 2012. All the interpreters for the previous years should already have like by now. Most of the interpreters that work the U.S. forces should already be in the United States, so we're talking about only maybe the last three years, four years. Right. That those should be the only interpreters that are left. Okay, well, that's not twenty thousand people. Right? Who are these people? Who who is it? It's it, so it can't be the interpreters. That's a, that's a minimum minimal number. There was maybe a thousand left. Okay, and we've been drawing troops down massively since 2014. Massively. Like there were 100,000 troops in 2011 and there were 10,000 in 2015. So that gives an idea of how massively we've reduced operations. In 2015 to, to now, how many interpreters did they need? Not that many. So there can't be that many interpreters. So this idea that, oh, it's our Afghan interpreters and allies, these people we promised, it's not them. It can't be them. It's everyone. Are we expanding that definition to everybody who worked on a U.S. base? The guy serving the guy serving curry at the Kandahar Airfield chow hall, does he get to come to the United States? The guy who did laundry at cop bumblefuck in the middle of nowhere, does he get to come to the United States? The guy who sold bootleg DVDs to Marines at Camp Leatherneck, does he get to come to the United States? Are, are all of those secondary support personnel – being classified as a protected Afghan allies that have to be able to get they're escaping the Taliban. Cause that starts sounding a little weird. Is is every Afghan army like guy considered a, Af- are we trying to massively airlift the entire Afghan army to the United States? Every Afghan policeman. I think that they are expanding the definition of Afghan ally to literally anyone and everyone and they are lying to us saying, oh, it's only these interpreters that fought and bled with U.S. forces. Don't you care about them? And that's all a – I think it's all a bait and switch so that they can just – so they can have the biggest airlift in U.S. history. We can get – guys, we can get 20,000 new, new brown voters into the United States with this. And we'll do it right under the noses of the American people. And we'll do it with their tax dollars.
0: I mean, I mean, th- that's the thing. There's no possible way that they're vetting this properly. There are right. crowds upon crowds surrounding Kabul and they're just loading. I mean, they are loading C-17s full of Afghans. There's no way that they're vetting these people. It's just, you no, I'm not buying it for a second. You're claiming that it's all of this bleeding heart nonsense. And in reality, it's. Every this is a refugee crisis. That's the reality of what's happening. There are a a crapload of Afghans. Let, Let me put it this way so people don't get so upset by it. There are a bunch of Afghans, especially women and children that are surrounding the Kabul airport that are begging to go to the United States. Do you think that the Biden administration would refuse those people and say only these Afghans are allowed on the plane? Do you no. think they would do that? Do you, do you even think they could? Exactly. And th- that's like, the whole thing. They're not doing that. But one of the considerations that's not occurring surrounding this situation is at least according to the administration, according to the official narrative, this terrorist group of ISIS-K just attacked a bunch of civilians and U.S. service members and killed some of our U.S. service members. You don't have to be the smartest or the most capable terrorist organization to not go, wow, they're just loading plane loads of people that come up and say, I want to go to America. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to shove my own people on there. I'm absolutely going to put members of my terrorist group on those planes. Now, People are going to take that and go, you're claiming that you're claiming that these Afghans are terrorists. Well, some of them are. Some of them are clearly Because, because let me explain to you something about our Afghan allies and understand I like Afghan people. We worked with a lot of them. There were very many of them that I liked. There was an interpreter that that Alan and I know who is part of this entire disaster trying to get his wife and kids out? So there are people I legitimately feel bad for and have compassion for. So don't be a dick, but listen to this for a second and understand. The most common threat that Alan and I faced in 2012 when we were in um when when we were in country. The most common threat that we faced were what we called and termed green on blue attacks. Now, green on blue attacks were Afghan personnel attacking U.S. personnel. By that, I mean these were Afghan army, Afghan police killing U.S. service members. These are the Afghan allies we hear so much about. Some of these Afghan allies were killing our personnel. Specifically, two of the guys from our own unit were killed by Afghan national— well, one was killed, one was wounded—by Afghan National Army. Not by the Taliban. Not by ISIS-K. By the Afghan National Army. They stood up and they shot an entire squad of infantrymen. They wounded one of our intelligence, uh, one of our intelligence soldiers and killed one of our other intelligence soldiers. That was the Afghan National Army. So this idea that we're vetting these people is not happening. There's no way to vet them. By by what, what source are you vetting them by? The databases in Kabul that don't exist? The long paper trail and criminal justice system that is just, you know, pure as the undriven snow in Afghanistan? Oh, wait, no. It's a third world country that basically looks like Christ is walking around in it. How the hell are you vetting anybody? Yeah. Yeah. As as HGX soldiers saying on our live chat by 2014, uh, when he was there, they had set up an entire entire new elements just to protect them from Afghan security forces. They had to create new units, strategy and tactics to protect them from their allies. For example, when we went into any operation, Alan, if you remember, where did we place the Afghans? In the middle. We placed them in the middle and never behind. Yeah. They were never by if we could place them in the front, we would, except they didn't have the minesweepers. Or if we gave it to them, they would sell it. Um, Mm. Yeah. If we gave them our equipment, they would sell it. (laughs) So, but the point here is this. This has turned into a refugee crisis. The Biden administration is celebrating it for the largest airlift in history. And I want to remind you, they're not bringing any of our equipment home. So this largest airlift in history, there weren't that many Americans still in Afghanistan. So this largest airlift in history is them just taking any Afghan that shows up in Kabul, throwing them on a C-17 and taking and bringing them to the United States, specifically for the optics of them patting themselves on the back about all of the wonderful refugees and help that they provided. It's all of this globalist nonsense. Like I said, I made the example. It looks exactly like the southern border. They're lining buses up at the southern border and just shipping anybody who wants to show up to come in. They're doing the same thing in Kabul. Yeah. And this this has to be noted now because there are going to be problems in the future and they will do everything that they can to try to deflect it.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's it's like what is how many of these Afghans are going to end up raping somebody, beheading somebody, you know, honor killing somebody? At least one, probably. What do they all do for jobs? How, many, how much public welfare do they all take? Where are they going to live? There's no way that there's not going to be some problems by importing tens of thousands of people from Afghanistan of all places. What? That deserves a little bit of thought here. Again, this is not simply the few maybe thousand people that we can say, we really owe it to these interpreters or these people that are good. No, no, there's no way there's that many people. The Taliban was estimated to have a strength of what it was like 40,000 mm-hmm. in the, by the intelligence estimate, like earlier this year. So it's like, we're basically importing more people than filled the ranks of the Taliban, according to our intelligence officials. It's like it does, none of this makes any sense. Mm-hmm. In fact, it doesn't make any sense at all because you should be saying, because I remember seeing things recently where there were officials in Afghanistan that were actually kind of whistleblowing on this like, hey, they just emailed a blank visa uh, template to everybody. And there's a bunch of Afghans right now. Printing off this visa template with their, with an, and just writing their name at the bottom because anybody with one of these pieces of paper can get on a plane. So this is, there's no way you can look at this and not see it for what it is. This is an intentional effort by the administration to ensure that they fly out as many Afghans as they possibly can, irrespective of whether those Afghans actually should be moved out of the country or not. Now this, it doesn't, there's no way this makes sense because you'd think you would say somebody in the room would say, listen, I know we want to flood America with brown people, but this isn't the Southern border. We actually have troops that are in danger here. Let's get out just the state department personnel, just those few Americans that are still in country. Let's get them out. And then, you know, like, As few people as possible should be led on that runway, so we need to use the fewest number of planes, and this can go as fast as we possibly can. Instead, they seem to be taking this position of, we are going to intentionally allow our Marines to be in harm's way so that we can fill these planes with as many Afghans as humanly possible. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I don't understand that
0: in the slightest. Right. Well, but it's, it's because... They're not going to say no. They're not going to yeah. be the big meanie means who say, "Oh, geez, look at all these, look at all these sad Afghans." We we're not going to say no. Let's just put anybody who shows up at the airport on a plane. Exactly. That's what's happening. It's just, it's just, that's what's happening. Now I know that a lot of people want to be compassionate and be like, well, look, they're refugees. It's a war torn country. Okay. That if you're not willing, this is the whole thing. If you're not willing to draw a line in the sand, then you might as well just dissolve your borders and become a way station for anybody. Because what difference does it make? Yeah. Yes. It's me. Why, why
1: even have a country at all at this point? Yeah,
0: like I get if, it. If
1: yep. everybody in the in the world is just an American citizen who hasn't stepped foot on American soil yet, well, then why can't they all just vote in our elections from abroad? Why don't we just mail ballots everywhere around the world? Because all of those people, according to both Republicans and Democrats, are just Americans who haven't stepped foot on their home soil yet.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the whole thing. Is well, oh, but it's mean. Yeah, you have to be mean sometimes. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it takes to protect yourself. And since, you know, the, the the whole thing that everyone's talking about with Afghanistan is, oh, my God, now that the United States is leaving, it's going to descend into barbarism where women are treated like, you know, second class citizens, if not worse. And, you know, people are just going to, like, murder each other and all of this. But let's import thousands of that. Here, because, yeah. because what I'm not hearing is the Taliban's taking over, but the Taliban has to make changes because if they're not like a liberal society, the people will rise up and revolt because that goes so against their culture. No, it's, oh, Afghanistan's going to descend into absolute madness uh, where they're basically going to murder people in the streets who disagree with militant Islam. Okay, so yeah. what you're saying is is that that's just going to happen because that's the natural state of things.
1: Yeah, Afghanistan's returning to a state of nature, which is interseen tribal civil war.
0: Right. But we should import that into the United States because it would be mean to be honest about it.
1: I'm sorry, are you suggesting that there is not some sort of magic soil that when people touch it, they immediately become fully assimilated Americans? Because well, that, me- sir, is racist.
0: I I think it's racist that you suggest there's such a thing as American assimilation. Well, you're right. You're right. (laughs) I mean, but this is actually a good point
1: because all cultures are equal. It's a beautiful and ancient culture. All the practices of every other society in the world is all beyond our ability to criticize and therefore must all be good. Also, we need to totally change those practices by force of arms because they're mean to women.
0: But we should import those people who are super mean to women to the United States. All of this, if if you're detecting a
1: bit of hypocrisy there, then you're right. And just like with everything else, the left argues in bad faith because the real thing they want to do is ensure that Democrats get voted into office forever. And the way they want to do that is by... Filling the United States with foreign ethnic groups so that they can balkanize us all against each other. And then we can never form a unified front against the Democrat party, against the party of these elites who want to rule us. It's a divide and conquer strategy and they're currently doing it on the Southern border and with this Afghan pullout. The goal is to tribalize and balkanize the United States and dilute us so heavily with foreigners that they can preoccupy us fighting amongst ourselves because there's no national unity rather than and ha- rather than having any kind of coordinated front to stop them from ruling us with impunity
0: right and and it's funny because like people might think that that's just hyperbole mm-hmm. except recently we actually heard uh an admission of Democrat change being like an aspect of like being, being an aspect of the like Democrat Party's like thought process. Yeah. I'm trying to remember actually off the top of my head who it was. Um, ah, there we go. Uh, it was Dick Durbin. Dick Durbin on the, uh, Senator Dick Durbin on the floor of the Senate actually, uh, basically admitted to this July 19th, 2021 this year on July 19th. Here's the audio of him saying that
3: in response to the minority leaders statement about the changes in voting laws across America, the record speaks for itself. I believe the number is 17, 17 states controlled by the Republicans in the legislature, which have set out to specifically limit previous opportunities under law to vote. Coincidence? That 17 states would do these things? I don't think so. I think it's by design. and That's why the Senate Rules Committee was in charge of today to talk specifically about the measures that they took after the last election. Remember, this is all being done in the context of a former president, the sorest loser in the history of the United States, and his big lie about what was wrong with the last election. Well, I can tell you what was not wrong with the last election. In many states, the turnout broke records. More Americans eligible to vote turned up to vote, and that's a good thing in a democracy. And when it comes to allegations of fraud, all of the money that has been spent on lawsuits, all of the allegations of voter fraud that have been investigated, it turns out to be a handful of cases, maybe a dozen out of millions of votes cast in the United States. So there's no argument for changing election and voting laws based on fraud. There certainly is no argument when it comes to the outcome of the election. That was clear and it has been to everyone except one former president for a long time. And yet the Republicans, when in control of state legislatures, are by design trying to make it more difficult for some people to vote. Why? The answer is very simple. The demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from them, away from Donald Trump, away from their party party, creed that they preach. And instead, they're moving to be independents or to even vote on the other side. To argue and fight against that, the Republicans in legislative settings are reducing and restricting the opportunity to vote.
0: So it's a bit of a long clip full of the normal talking points that you hear, but the main po- the main crux of this was dick durbin saying the demographics of america are not on the side of the republican party the new voters in this country are moving away from them away from donald trump away from their party creed that they preach now let me ask what does he mean by the new voters who are these new voters because let's be honest young people are the typically the only people that you count as new voters um and young people barely vote in elections yeah So these new voters have to be the people who you just gave the ability to vote, which would be the people you've imported through a porous southern border. Yeah. Now, I want to remind you that when Tucker Carlson made this exact same argument, he was harangued as a racist. Well, you can't be a
2: racist, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, because like... Literally just a few months ago, Tucker Carlson did an entire special where he talked about how the plan of the Democrat Party was to import a bunch of new voters to change the demographics so Republicans couldn't win. And now you have Senator Dick Durbin saying that the new voters of the, the, the demographics of America aren't on the side of the Republican Party. These new voters are moving away from them. Yeah. So now, OK, if you want to take everything that he says... you know, at face value, which you shouldn't because these people argue in bad faith all the time. But if you want to take it at face value, he's saying, well, the Republican party is fighting like hell to make it to where people like this cannot vote or make it more difficult to vote, you know, through basic things like normal election integrity laws that have existed prior to COVID. Uh, Because let's just be honest, all of this business that everyone's whining about with election laws are just saying we don't need to do the COVID bullshit anymore for the most part. Point is, yeah, um, the reality is if the Republican Party is specifically fighting so hard against this to ensure that they can retain power, would it be crazy to suggest that the Democrat Party would be accelerating this because it gives them power?
1: Yes, that's exactly what's happening.
0: Right, because that's the whole thing. That's the part that they don't bring up. They'll bring up, Republicans want to do all of this voting stuff because they're afraid of the demographic change. Okay, so since you're saying that, you're acknowledging that demographic change apparently works in your favor— so wouldn't you be doing anything in your power to ensure that demographic change? For example, you do want to kind of take a look at where the Department of Homeland Security and the you know Customs and Border Patrol, where are they sending people? From the southern border who just show up and then they want to give amnesty to where are they going to send these uh, the hundreds of thousands of people? It seems that they're loading onto planes in Afghanistan that they're going to give special immigrant visas to, which is going to make them U.S. citizens. um, Where are they sending them? Would they just send them anywhere or are they going to specifically send them to, say, congressional districts uh, that have very close margins in elections? That's something somebody needs to look at. Because they and it's not just a theory. It's because that is
1: a strategy that the Democratic Party is enacting. It's the reason why there's a giant Somali population in Minnesota, of all places.
0: It's because it's so reflective of their homeland. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Where people from Somalia would probably choose to live in the United States, the place with horrible what, wet, win- horrible wet winters. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. What does make sense is that that location was chosen as the site of, with which to drop a bunch of Somali refugees because it w- was a state where they could flip the directorate of uh, flip the electorate. It's the same reason when you hear. All of these people from the southern borders are getting sent to detain detention facilities in red states where they are then subsequently released and said, come back here in a couple weeks and uh, you will process your, you know, immigration stuff. Oh, they didn't come back. They're just living out there and all their children are now American citizens. Well, we can't deport them now. Um, yeah, no, it, it is an intentional strategy that is being embarked upon by the Democrat Party for at least the last 10 years. Of targeting districts that are that could be flipped into their favor with mass immigration of foreigners so that they can have that they can claim those districts. Or at the very least, minimize their ability to be solidly read. Demographic replacement is a weapon being utilized by the Democrat Party to negate its political opposition. Right. I mean, hell. This isn't that hard to understand. Imagine if you had, imagine if you imported, I don't know, a million people from red states into the San Francisco, like the Bay Area. I bet you could start getting very different people elected. Like, imagine if you put, imagine if you took a, oh, heck, I mean, imagine if you took a million solidly red voters and put them into Portland. You could probably start getting people that were going to be tough on Antifa elected in Portland. It's the exact same strategy that they're doing everywhere else. Places in the United States that have no business being bastions of left wing nonsense like Colorado are now bastions of left wing nonsense because of intentional efforts to flip the demographics in favor of electing left wing nonsense by diluting the ability of the local population to maintain electoral supremacy. It's right. a, it is an internal colonialist attitude being bar- embarked upon by someone that wants to run the United States as an internal empire. The same thing was done in the Soviet Union. By shuffling around ethnic Russians to offset the local demographics of different ethnicities. It's the reason why you have a ton of Russians in places like Kazakhstan, in places like Turkestan, in a bunch of the Eastern Bloc countries, is those people were intentionally moved there to dilute the ability of the local population to advocate for things that it wanted and instead make it a lot easier for it to be subjugated by Moscow.
0: That's how it Russia... is a policy yeah it's a policy of internal internal Empire that that's how, that's how Russia took Crimea yeah it was a bunch of ethnic Russians in Crimea the Crimean yeah. autonomous government voted to join Russia and then the Ukraine went wait you can't do that and they went actually we can and then Ukraine dissolved yeah. the government <laughs> and it became it became you know the the Crimean conflict but the reality was, it was a bunch of russians in crimea and yeah. like if you act like that's not intentional you're an idiot it, it is
1: the goal is to the goal is to degrade local control in favor of control by the center they want everything controlled by washington the center of the empire rather than controlled by the localities because then they can then they can leverage all the power they want they don't have to deal with the local powers because those powers have been minimized due
0: to demographic shift. And the reality is this: it's not even race based. They want to pretend like it's race based because that—that's the whole thing, right? It's just that you know you don't you don't get a lot of you know uh, Scandinavians just rushing out the door to come to the U.S. Um, and right. so. That's the whole deal is they always respond to these types of comments and these these types of discussions with, oh, my God, how racist can you be? What could be so wrong with demographic change? And the point isn't it's not the color of the people. It's the fact that you are bringing in. And this is this is actually the reality of it. It's the fact that you are bringing in people who are wholly dependent on government subsistence. That's the reality of it. Yeah. The fact is, is you are bringing in people who are basically like required for survival to support massive liberal Democrat policies so they can feed their family because you're bringing them to places that don't have like that have massive unemployment. You're bringing people into a country that just went through an economic collapse because of the decisions the government made during a pandemic. And so most of these people are going to be wholly dependent on the government. And then that those same politicians can say well you know if you really want to if you really want to get that free health care and if you really want you know your kids to be able to go to a go to a decent school and if you really want to be able to feed your family you're going to have to vote for us because those people over there they don't want to spend trillions of dollars on you yeah yep So before all the all, all the all the leftists get all excited and want to just scream racism, which is their favorite response to everything they disagree with, that's the reality of it is you The long story short on the Democrat immigration process is they want to import a second class of people. They want to import people who cannot take up higher jobs are not capable of surviving Within this country without some form of assistance, either due to barriers in language or barriers to education, and they want to make them entirely slaves to the Democrat Party, because without their government handouts, these people would likely become impoverished and live on the streets.
1: And it's exactly the same. Why do they want a bunch of immigration and why do they want it to be illegal immigrants? Mostly Because when those people have children, those children will be American citizens and will get to vote in elections. And they will be able to dangle in front of the children of illegal immigrants forever because they never plan on doing amnesty. They get to dangle in front of them. You could vote for the party. You could vote for the Republicans who might deport mommy and daddy. Or you could vote for the Democrats who might give mommy and daddy amnesty and then make it so that they don't have to be on the run from from ICE their whole lives. Don't you care about mommy and daddy? Vote for Democrats.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I think that that analysis speaks for itself in every election cycle we ever see. It becomes an issue. And I need I remind you that the mm-hmm. Democrats currently control the White House, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And we are yet to still see any sort of amnesty bill. We didn't see it during Obama either. So, yep little weird how that seems to work. And mm-hmm. and by the way, just so everyone's aware of why we arrive at this conclusion, there is a core belief in Washington among all the political consultants and who's he whatsits uh, out there that whatever party grants amnesty to a group of people, they will secure their vote for a generation. I don't know where that comes from. I think it's stupid, but that is a legitimate belief, which is by the way why you saw during the george w bush administration this push for possible amnesty because the gop itself also believed that if you gave amnesty to a bunch of uh a, a bunch of illegal immigrants that came in here from uh south america and mexico that they'd all just vote republican out of gratitude yeah so just so you're aware all right 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 now switching gears a little bit from the whole Afghanistan deal let's let's talk a bit about uh some of the crazy uh business that we've been seeing you know throughout the world here uh there was a teacher that basically mocked the um, American flag and the pledge of allegiance and she thought it was adorable uh which there's there's a lot to kind of unpack here Uh, But this teacher posted on TikTok, as far as I can tell, where she wanted to share with everybody how she accidentally lost her American flag. And so she decided to give her students um, a flag that they could pledge allegiance to. And it happened to be the trans pride flag. Uh, Here's here's part of her statement from her video. My room does not have a flag. It used to be there, but I took it down during covid because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away, and I don't know where, and I haven't found it yet. (laughs) But my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand, and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it. Like, I'm working on it.
3: I got you. (laughs) In the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can
0: pledge your allegiance to and he like looks around he goes oh that one (laughs) okay so during so she thinks this is hilarious she took the flag down during covid because it made her uncomfortable and she's giggling she thinks that this is hilarious and she says you know a kid asks well it's weird that we stand and we pledge allegiance to nothing and then she just thinks it's so funny well there is a flag you could pledge allegiance to and she points at the trans pride flag. And she the whole time this is she's obviously, you know, the the arrogance of the statement is that yeah. she thinks that this is hilarious. The arrogance uh, the arrogance of this video is her she's she's making the admission that she's going to make no effort whatsoever to get the American flag out because it makes her uncomfortable. But you should pledge allegiance to the trans pride flag. Right.
1: Th- think about her and how much she she thinks she's going to get a big pat on the back and a bunch of people are going to clap for her. Like, oh, that's so clever! Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, denigrating America. What a what a what the what is more socially acceptable in the United States today than denigrating the United States? Yeah. Like none of this will receive any condemnation from any of her peers because they all believe. They, they're all excited to denigrate the United States, but oh my gosh, she's signaling how much of an ally she is to the whole people that the United States is so mean to. Like th- these people are an absolute toxin
0: to the rest of us, and there's no way we can functionally live with them. So, one thing. Well, now I will say this: uh, the the uh, school has gotten involved because outraged parents existed, which, of course, is going to result in yeah. conservatives pounce. Um, right. And, and are they getting involved
1: because the school actually disagrees with this, that all these other teachers and principals people actually disagree with the statement? Or are they doing it simply because it's a public relations problem? Like, oh, well, it's not that she what she did. It's that we were caught that she was caught doing it. Now, and honestly, like, look at how the the like gay flag is flown atop all of our embassies. It's flown on top of our government building buildings. the The gay pride flag is a better is a. It's like you'll what what state what gives you a bigger chance of being arrested? Defacing an American flag or defacing a gay pride flag? Well, you, if you will burn get- an American flag, that's considered a, that that's considered protected speech. If you burn a gay pride flag, that's considered a hate crime because the gay pride flag is is the real flag of the of the American empire. It's the flag of the regime. It's not the flag of the nation.
0: Well, it's funny because there there absolutely was a guy who was put in jail for burning a gay pride flag as a hate crime, which I was told I was told burning flags was protected speech. No, Just not no, that no. One. burning 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 the
1: American flag is protected speech because they but burning the gay pride flag signals that you are not a member of the regime.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like that the gay pride flag is the flag of the Democrat party and that is the flag that they will not allow you to
0: deface. Now, I will say uh take the reaction and how funny and hilarious this woman thinks that uh, all of this is and I just I just want because because a common thing that we hear is oh my god shut up you right wing conspiracy theorists schools are not trying to indoctrinate your kids and then take this video and tell me that again yeah I at least get to
1: wonder about it maybe it's not all schools maybe it's not all teachers but I do get to be I do get to wonder and be concerned about it
3: mm-hmm.
1: because how close how far is it away from this teacher going, Yeah, there's this kid kid that I'm responsible for in my class who I know his parents are Republicans. I'm going to tell the school that he's actually uh, trans, and then and then the kid's gonna get taken away from his parents when they don't inject him with hormones. Ha 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 ha, I'm gonna make a TikTok video about it. Yeah, I mean it's not unlikely. I'm going to find the kid in my class whose parents are scared of this vaccine and then I'm going to call child services because not, because them not vaccinated their kid, I can claim is child abuse and they're going to have their kid taken away. Ha 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 ha. These people will do that and they will feel ri- righteous while doing it. These people are a threat to the rest of us. And it is, they are willing to do anything to hurt us because hurting us is the sole thing that they live for? Look at the glee in her eyes when she talks about degrading the United States. What wouldn't she do? There's nothing she wouldn't do. Would she uh, there's nothing these people wouldn't do if it meant being seen hurt hurting the people that they are being
0: told are their political enemies. Yeah, and, and you know that, that, that's, that's a point that needs to be made here is they are routinely flooded like you have to understand for for all the statements that we hear from the left wing media about how dangerous things like Fox News are or conservative, you know, commentary is you don't see this kind of psych- psychopathy yeah but you do see it from the audiences of MSNBC and CNN where they legitimately have been Brainwashed into thinking that their neighbors and their fellow countrymen are a threat, are dangerous. Yeah. I mean, just like. You think it's hilarious that you are making a child pledge allegiance to the trans flag. That's kind of. I mean, that's just. It's messed up. It's messed. Up. Even people, even people who are on the bandwagon for trans rights and all this other business, you can't see that. Let, let, actually let me let me phrase it this way: the people that are very obsessive about trans rights and things like this hate the idea of kids having to pledge allegiance to the American flag because they see it as indoctrination. Well, this would be indoctrination too, would it not? So is your problem indoctrination or is your problem just indoctrination to American principles? Because for some reason, there's a reason why the left sees people understanding American principles as a threat to them. Much like we just played that Dick Durbin thing where they talked about demographic replacement being a threat to Republicans, supposedly. Explain to me why the left seems to think that. Understanding the American Republic, understanding the American principles, why do they see that as a political threat to them? What is it about the founding principles of this country that is so threatening to the left?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I know what threatening. It is. I think is the maybe the wrong way to put it. It's that it is threatening to their their overall dominance. So it's not like it's going to hurt them, but it's going to prevent them from being able to totally dominate the rest of us.
0: Right, because there's that whole awful thing of individual liberty.
1: Right, right. Uh, Well, And and everything they do and say is simply a tactic designed to denigrate and destroy those ideas. All the talk about institutional racism and how, how blacks are so put upon in the United States, it's... All of that is designed to degrade and destroy the idea that individuality and liberty and freedom are actually by are actually good and useful things there. And additionally, those things are designed to destroy the idea of community within the United States, because they again, they only always operate to pit us against each other so that then we can be ruled without opposition. That is the. They don't care about racism. They only care about how they can leverage the claims of racism to make it so that the United States cannot be a unified
0: country.
3: Hmm.
0: No, I mean Yeah, it it, it is it is all meant to atomize and se- separate. It's it, it's class warfare. It, it's just I it, I wish it were something yeah. deeper. I, 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 wish, I wish it were something deeper. But in reality, it's just a retread of the class warfare that Marx used to destroy, you know, con- th- th- that they used to destroy countless countries with communism. I mean, right. there's just and, no... And that and that class warfare wasn't even being done honestly.
1: It's like the... it That class warfare of communism, again, was only ever used... As a means to divide and conquer nations by essentially a intellectualist insur- insurgency, they never actually believed any of it at the core. It was only ever a tool that they could use to fool everybody into giving them power or winning this cultural revolution in their favor. It's like no. they it, basically I think of it like a hack. It was a it's a backdoor hack of the human psyche is essentially this class warfare, equity-driven Marxist nonsense. It's a, it's a backdoor hack in the human brain programming or human societal programming that they are exploiting to gain control of the system, but they're not doing it for those reasons. They're doing it to gain control. They're just, and the whole thing is essentially just a, it's an obfuscation of the real motive. It's a tactic, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is not equity for everyone may bring about the worker paradise. That is simply a dishonest and disingenuous tactic that they use to sell to people to get them to give power and fight to get these elites power over their countries in an in entire way. It's a, it's a tactic used to destroy opposition. That is what communism, Marxism, all of this ends up being. It ends up – the the overall goal of it is to create a society where there is no opposition to the elites. That is what this is designed to deliver, and it does, delivers it not through essentially the, the barrel of a gun, even though that's often used. It delivers it through the minds of people who become corrupted by this sort of brain hacking.
0: Now, that's actually a really good segue uh, into the next story that we have here. <clears throat> which uh comes to us from uh Fox 32 in Chicago. And what what it is is this mom had a judge rule uh that she will not have parental rights over her own child uh because she's unvaccinated. Now, I'm uh waiting waiting for the darn video to load because for some reason And a Fox 32 exclusive. exclusive. Tonight, a mother says
1: that a Cook County
0: judge took away
1: her
2: parental rights after learning she's not vaccinated.
3: Dane Placco is at Daily Plaza with details on this story. Dane?
2: It may be a first of its kind case. A Cook County judge here at the Daily Center has stripped a Chicago mom of her parenting rights because she's refused to get the COVID vaccine.
1: And he is a very sweet boy. He's my whole world
2: you miss? I miss them more than anything. Rebecca Furlitt has been divorced for seven years and shares custody of her 11-year-old son with her ex-husband, what had been a 50-50 split in parenting time. But on August 10th, in an unrelated child support hearing, Cook County Judge James Shapiro asked Furlitt whether she'd been vaccinated. When she told the judge no because she's had bad reactions to vaccines in the past, Judge Shapiro stripped Ferlet of all of her parenting time until she agrees to get vaccinated.
1: I think that it's wrong. I think that it's dividing families. And I think that it's not in my
2: son's best interest to be away from his mother. Ferlet is now asking the appellate court to stay the judge's order, her attorney saying the judge has overstepped his authority. You have to understand, the father did not even bring this issue before the court. So it's the judge on his own making this decision that you can't see your child until you're vaccinated.
0: The most impressive part of this entire uh, clip that I just played was her attorney pointing out the fact that the father didn't bring this up. This was they were in this custody. They, they were having a, a, a hearing over custody. They have 50-50 custody. But the dad didn't bring this up. This wasn't an issue that the father had. It was specifically the judge. This wasn't part of any sort of dispute. This wasn't brought before the court. The judge just said, "Are you vaccinated?" And she said, "No, I've had bad reactions to vaccines." And he goes, "Oh, well, um, the bang bang, you don't get to see your kid until you get vaccinated." That's insane. Yeah, and and like that, that just happened. A judge unilaterally, unilaterally decided that you don't get to have parental rights because of his opinion on something. Cause let's be honest. That's what it is. As much as people want to sit there and go, well, the science, no, it's his opinion. It's Mm -hmm. his opinion. He believes that her being unvaccinated poses a danger to her child. That's it. That's it. It is an opinion. You can whine and cry and piss and moan about suppose like because that's the whole deal nothing about the vaccine as we know now would would protect that kid from getting covid how do we know that because the schools what, like the schools still mandate masks even though their personnel are vaccinated so explain that and this is the crazy town that we live in all it is is it was an excuse a judge to project power he wanted to punish people who didn't get vaccinated why yeah because he is why this lady think about that he wanted to punish this lady for not
1: being vaccinated why he doesn't have a stake in her he just he saw this lady and said this is one of those people that the news tells me is my enemy and is a bad person because they are probably a conservative i am now going to do my part To make sure that those bad people who the news tells me are my enemy suffer. This is about causing suffering against people that he is told he doesn't like. He has been manipulated by the media into not liking this lady and has been told that it is a good thing if he uses his power to make her suffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There... I do not see how we can live w- with neighbors like this. How can this, how can we go forward as a nation when our fellow countrymen are acting this crazy, this psychopathic and this antisocial towards us? What kind of compromise am I ever supposed to want to make with people that are this vindictive and vile? They are, are going every day they are they are doing everything they can to convince me that they are my enemy and that they will never stop until i am either destroyed or subjugated there was they are the ones that are essentially stating with their actions that we exist in a state of civil war that will only end when one side is completely obliterated or made a subjugated slave class. I don't know how you go, how you re- are supposed to react to this other than saying, I guess it's civil war then, because they are trying as hard as they can. They're, they're, there's nothing that the left is doing that would encourage me to break bread with them. That would encourage me that they have some level of re- redemption possible. There is nothing that they're doing other than ensuring that I hate them with every fiber of my being.
0: Well, this must be all that unification we were told about. Yeah, it has to be. Well, and it's, that's, that's, that's the point ridiculous. you're making here is we were told, you know, I mean, the rhetoric was, is that Donald Trump was dividing us all. I mean, it was really Donald Trump. And if we just got the adults in the room, It would be unifying. And now we're seeing this. And understand, there is a very prescient point there. Because the view, and everybody knows this. Nobody wants to talk about it for some stupid reason. But go onto social media and see how people react. The assumption immediately is, is if someone's unvaccinated, they're a Trump supporter and they believe QAnon.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, granted, that doesn't actually fit any of the real statistics that are out there but those statistics don't matter right in fact there was someone um i don't fully recall it but someone on twitter like a f- couple of days ago shared a uh, shared analysis that showed Uh, that there's a large amount of African-Americans who are not vaccinated. They're very hesitant about vaccines. We've been talking about this for months now. And the reaction to that was, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Oh my God, it's such a lie. But it's not. Yeah. But they, they need it to be a lie because they need, to be completely honest, unvaccinated is just another name for MAGA. It's just another name for conservative. It's just another name for Trump supporter. It's just another name for right. Ra- it's the new racist. It's the new deplorable. It's right. unbacked. And, and
1: the way they're selling it is these people are a danger and a threat to you. And they need to be treated like they're some kind of virus. They need to be treated like they're a plague to be eradicated, like they're vermin to be eradicated. Well, which is weird. Because that is the subtext of like all of this. When it's like the unvaccinated are the reason everyone's getting sick. What they're trying to convey is that you should treat unvax on the 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 vaccine skeptical people like they are a disease worthy of being eradicated, like they are vermin that need to be eradicated.
0: It's that fun. is,
1: that's what they're trying to do. That's the mental
0: perception they're trying to build. It's funny you bring that up because there was three days ago, there was a New York Post story that was shared, uh, which the tweet headline says, baby younger than one dies from COVID in Louisiana, according to officials. Um, Mm -hmm. The reaction to that from a verified Twitter account of a radio host who I don't feel like naming because, ew, um, I I, I don't want to give that person the power. Uh, Their reaction, now I want you to understand, verified Twitter account. Uh, still exists as far as I know, still on Twitter, says, gee, sorry to hear that. One less vote for the Trump tards of the future. Yep. Yeah. It, it's the same as any time
1: there's there are lots of articles now that are essentially saying things like, oh, another unvaccinated person dies. And the commentary is good. One less, one less enemy I have to fight is essentially the way that it is being described.
0: Now, one of the other <coughs> newsworthy things to bring up was uh, we got to see a very strange um, incident in uh, media, which is uh, can anyone in we we've had a lot of. Over over years now, uh, we've had a lot of strange situations, uh, very national situations in which police officers have engaged in unarmed suspect and fatally shot that suspect or, mm-hmm. you know, other such situations. Has anyone can anyone ever give me an example when something as large as NBC Nightly News has ever given the ability Of a police officer involved in the fatal shooting of an unarmed suspect. Can you give me an example when NBC Nightly News has given that police officer the ability to plead their case to the American people as to why they shot that unarmed suspect? Can anyone give me an example like, well, Alan, can you give me an example? Can anyone on our live chat give me an example of a time that NBC Nightly News has ever given the police officer the chance to plead their case for shooting an unarmed suspect on primetime television? Uh, I cannot do that because the
1: only thing we ever see is. A, is the family or friends or somebody saying, "Oh, they didn't do nothing. They didn't deserve to be shot by no cop. They didn't do nothing." That's the only interview that ever gets played on nightly news. Uh, did did anyone ever interview Derek Chauvin and say, "No, tell us why did you shoot George Floyd? Was it self defense? Well, well, why did he didn't you kneel shoot him. on his neck? Yeah, there you I go. know he didn't shoot. Yeah, yeah. Why did you kneel on George Floyd's neck? Well, was he having a drug overdose? Please." Tell us your side of the story. Did anyone ever interview, oh, who was the officer that um, shot that guy that, you know, reached for his gun and beat up the, Mike Brown, that's it. Did anybody ever interview the officer that shot Mike Brown back, back when and go, no, did he really reach into your cop car and punch you in the face repeatedly before you shot him or, or were his hands up and, you know, what, what was, what really happened? No, they never did that. They only interviewed the people that would get on the news and say, Oh, I I definitely saw his hands up. He was yelling, don't shoot. His back was to the officer. Oh wow, that's crazy. W- where were you during all this? Oh, I was I was, you know, five blocks away, but trust me, I saw it. Right. And then and then the news cl- cuts to you heard it here first, folks. Hands up, don't shoot. Well, strange. But <laughs> But because interesting, because we just saw this officer go on the news, the news invited them on and say, now please tell us, why was it defensible that you shot Ashley Babbitt in the
0: throat while she was standing next to other officers? Yeah, and here's, here's a clip from the Michael Bird interview on NBC Nightly News. I followed my training
2: and I spent countless years and preparing for such a moment. You ultimately hope that moment never occurs, but you prepare as best you can. I know that day I saved countless lives. I know members of Congress as well as my fellow officers and staff were in jeopardy and in serious danger.
0: Now, Michael Byrd, Lieutenant Michael Byrd, says that that day he saved countless lives. From what? From Ashley Babbitt from the unarmed woman who from was a, from a 35 year old standing between
1: two police officers. Mm-hmm. Yep. From, from the crowd of people that were like the QAnon shop. Oh, the QAnon shaman was going to cast a spell. He was on the, on Congress and un- un- unleashed unleash the demons from the warp inside the congressional room Oh, thank God he was purged by the, no, None of this was going to happen. That was a blatant lie. Like, what? what was going to happen? Oh, Ashley Babbitt was going to storm Congress, and then all these police officers were just going to stand by while they literally guillotined AOC on the floor of the Senate. Oh, countless lives. None of that was happening. That's all a lie, and these people are absolutely reprehensible.
0: Yeah. Now, what's really interesting is (laughs) – Some of what he says in his interview contradicts the findings of the DOJ's investigation, um, because he even says that he couldn't really see her hands or anything as she was climbing through the window. But she totally chose she totally posed a threat. Now, I've seen a lot of liberals try to defend this with, well, you're trespassing. I
1: these are the same liberals that say, if someone breaks into your house, don't shoot them because you value your TV more than they value the more than you value their life.
0: That's, oh, yeah, that's wrong. Well, I mean, shouldn't doesn't Congress have insurance? Do they really need to kill people or can't they just, you know, make an insurance claim? Isn't that what we were told all through 2020? Yeah, that yeah. shop owners have insurance. So it's fine. I, I just I just. I, I know that this is very obvious to people, but I, I don't know why it's not just constantly reiterated that th- there is obviously two standards of justice here. If you are a shop owner and a bunch of Democrat lunatics burn your store to the ground, they don't care. But if you're a Congress member and your day is interrupted, it's an insurrection. It's treason, because, by the way, with the rationale that Lieutenant Bird used to shoot Ashley Babbitt in the throat would have resulted in thousands of people being shot by police in, uh, in everywhere in in Kenosha, in all of the or Kenosha, Kenosha, however you pronounce it, yeah. in all of these places that we have seen antifa and BLM riots. He is giving, the, he is literally giving the ability for police officers to just shoot people protesting because they may pose a threat. Right. I need people to understand that supporting Michael Byrd is supporting the idea that if people get too close to a protected area, you can kill them. Right.
1: But again, because we live in this ridiculous world of hypocrisy, it is always rules for me, but not for thee. Yeah,
2: well, if I...
1: any one of us were to shoot a Democrat trying to, activist trying to light our house on fire, you you would rapidly find yourself in jail without possibility of parole for the rest of your life. Because we live in an, a narco tyrannist state where the state – the violence of Democrat activists is state-sponsored violence against the people that they have deemed enemies of the state – that is why that the hypocrisy exists, because you are deemed enemies of the state and Antifa, Black Lives Matter. These are organs of the state being allowed to propagate state violence against the population that they feel need to have violence perpetrated against them. They're well, but... not going to do it with the police even though they could. They're not going to do it. They're not going to drone strike your house, but they're going to allow Antifa and Black Lives Matter to make your life a living hell and burn your business to the ground. And if you raise a finger against them, you will be put in the full force of law enforcement will be arrayed against you. It is an anarcho-tyranny where they are essentially using anarchy to tyrannize the rest of the country.
0: Well, so so the logic here, the logic here to be com- to be completely honest, is that it was okay for Michael Byrd to shoot Ashley Babbitt because she was trespassing, correct?
1: No, it's okay. If, it was okay for him to shoot Ashley Babbitt
0: because she was not a Democrat. Well, I, 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 I understand that that's the reality. The argument that they're using is that yeah. it's okay. It was okay be, because she was trespassing. So right. by that same logic, it was okay for the McCloskeys to brandish weapons at a Black Lives Matter group. Also, it was okay for Kyle Rittenhouse to shoot the people he shot because they were trespassing and he was literally hired by a car dealership to protect his property. Yes, and in
1: a sane world, that that would be true, but the rules of that
0: kind of reality do not apply in the United States today. Right, it's just that... This is, these are the things that need to be brought up. You can't, unless you're willing to admit that the only reason why you support Michael Byrd is because he killed a Trump supporter, then you yeah. have to support the reaction of the McCloskey's and you have to support Kyle Rittenhouse because they are the same right, situation. But that,
1: but that's the reason why people support Michael Byrd. They right. just don't want to admit it because they know how bad that sounds, but Forcing them to confront that is not going to make it so they suddenly go, you know, you're right. I am a horrid person that wants to declare war on my fellow citizens. They'll simply go. They simply might even say that and go, well, yeah, no, I am okay with it because she was a conservative and she deserved to die. Right. Well, and that's the whole thing is well. like, our, like the, the idea that we're going to somehow shame the Democrat, all these Democrats and Democrat voting Americans into suddenly realizing that morality exists and that they should desire to have a civil society that incorporates all of us. The idea that we're going to shame them into that is absolute nonsense. I will say they are desperately grabbing for power because they hate us
0: and trying to shame them out of that hate is not going to work. I I will say this much. Um, I don't think we need to work hard to shame them per se because they're suddenly supporting police officers shooting unarmed suspects.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is even if they feel shame about that, it's not going to change the outcome. They'll just be they'll just feel shame while they send us all to the
0: gulags. Well, What happens in the next time that Black Lives Matter wants to get involved in an unarmed suspect getting shot? There's no way that the juxtaposition doesn't exist.
1: I think there's every way that the juxtaposition exists, and I think they're going to ignore the hypocrisy and do what they always do. Like, is Black Lives Matter supposed to now go, ah, dang it, they shot an an unarmed criminal trying to strangle a lady in the street? Uh, We can't can't protest this one because we stood up— We were happy about the January 6th thing. No, Black Lives Matter is again going to burn down cities. Democrat politicians are again going to shill for it. And you're going to hear defund the police, all cops are bastards. With absolutely no self-consciousness about what they're doing, because the hypocrisy is the point. It's a weapon they deploy against us. It's not something that makes them feel ashamed. It's not something that's going to ever reduce their want and desire to deploy violence against us. The hypocrisy is a weapon to keep us squabbling about the hypocrisy rather than making solid grabs for
0: power. Right. It's the, uh, imagine if this were a Republican. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair though, imagine if Ashley Babbitt were black, uh, just going to throw that out there. It's actually, uh, I mean, I will say Lieutenant, Lieutenant Bird is very lucky that Ashley Babbitt wasn't black because if she was, he'd be in jail. I disagree. I think if if
1: if she was she would still be a conservative and you you've seen how they treat black people on the conservative side. Well, it's true. She would be an Aunt Jemima getting shot by a righteous good guy black.
0: <laughs> Aunt Jemima. Well, do know. you would do you think NBC here's here's a question. Do you think NBC would have given Lieutenant Bird this exclusive if he were white?
1: If the races
0: were reversed,
1: I don't think no, he no, would have no, gotten no, the exclusive. No, no, no.
0: Not, not if they were reversed. Just yeah. if he were white.
1: Do if he were white, still...
0: still, still, absolutely. You you don't, you well, because the reason why I bring it up is, is in the beginning, in the beginning of the discussion with Lester Holt, um, Lieutenant Bird starts bringing up like, you know, I've been received, I've, I've received threats because of this. It's a big deal for me to come out, blah, blah, blah. And Lester Holt actually like poisons the well and goes, oh, did you get racist threats? he was like, yeah, some of them are racist. And so it's like "I mean,
1: it definitely it's definitely a, a boon for them that he's black. But I still think that even if he were white, they would still be maybe not putting him on the on primetime television.
0: Right. But they'd still be shilling for the guy. No, they they would chill for him 100 percent. Yeah. I, I, I mean, do you think that the encouragement for putting this guy on primetime television was, well, he's not a white cop, so it's oh, not yeah. really hypocritical? Absolutely. Yeah. I think well, I think it's not so much that it's not hypocritical
1: but that oh he, we can also play the race angle here even better let's get him on TV this is really going to work well for us This is really going to this is really going to be such a satisfying thing to watch for all of our allies because they're going to get because we can play the race angle we can they, we just killed one of the we just killed one of our enemies and we can play the race
0: angle on it slam dunk yeah it's definitely um it's a it's a strange tactic to take in the sense that it's well let's just be honest about it um you have a police officer that shot a woman and that's taken differently as much as people want to pretend it's not it absolutely is if this were some guy um, it would be a very, it would be a very different, you know, people, people would kind of ignore it uh, in the sense that it's just pe- people react differently to, you know, a man getting killed and a woman getting killed. Um, it is very strange that the left would hang their hat on this as much as they are, because I believe that this is going to resonate strangely for, like, the media being hypocrites, absolutely. The, you know, the Democrat activists being hypocrites, absolutely. I, I think that this is going to ring very strange for a lot of Americans that they think, that the that the left and the media think that they're going to be trying to balkanize with this. I think that there are a lot of, let's just say, that the popular demographic du jour right now. I think suburban women are going to feel very differently about this. Then the left really wants them to because ultimately you can play the whole QAnon Trump supporter, blah, 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 protester, but you have an incredible amount of pussy hat marchers. That mm-hmm. could have been shot by a Capitol police officer in the massive riots that occurred on 2017. There are absolutely suburban women Who were out at the Capitol during Trump's inauguration in 2017 during the riots getting shot with rubber bullets and gas by Capitol Police officers who have to kind of think that could have been me who have spent years talking about how shitty the Capitol Police were. In fact, there are probably white suburban women That were sitting there during the George Floyd riots in Washington, D.C., outside the White House, that have to think, I could have been shot. Yeah. Because at that time, I mean, I don't think that people are going to have that have as clear of a thought process as, well, they won't shoot me because I'm on the right side of things. Because they're they're literally just coming months out of all cops are bastards and their, you know, violence of the evil regime. I don't know. Like, I I get I I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to negate what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It is just very incredible to me to think that especially all of those people protesting on the ground aren't going to feel abandoned in some form or fashion by the political elite that is suddenly celebrating cops
1: that's very true i don't disagree i think it is very jarring my question is what impact do you think it's going to have long term are are these people going to stop voting for democrats or or what's the um like what ramification do you think we're going to see
0: Well, this is this is kind of an interesting it's a good question because this is kind of an interesting like thought thing that I've noticed is, for example, I brought this up to you last night on our on our show prep call. Um, There was absolutely a black guy who got shot by cops in like the D.C. area. Like just the other day. And Mm -hmm. as far as any of the news reporting that I saw, he was like asleep in his car. And you can't quite make out the like body cam footage. And mm-hmm. it seemed that he was unarmed. Now, I, like I said, I don't like getting into any of these officer involved shootings because they're always BS. But what I'm not seeing here is it doesn't matter, right? The facts don't matter. A As far as I know, I believe it was a black man shot by a white cop, but it, mm-hmm. a, a cop shot a, a supposedly unarmed suspect. And it seems, you know, that there's questionable reason for him doing it because he was not being shot at himself. The -hmm. point is where is black lives matter? And so understand this, these incidents didn't stop happening. They've decreased considerably over many years, but these didn't stop happening. So what you're going to have is you have these communities that see a black man shot by police, and then they don't have black lives matter showing up anymore. They don't have Jesse Jackson flying in on his private jet or Al Sharpton coming in. And at a certain point, that abandonment is going to have to have an effect. There's no way that you aren't going to start seeing absolute rage from these, primarily not just from the communities, but how is Black Lives Matter going to continue to make their millions of dollars when the Democrat Party absolutely does not want them marching? Because that much is obvious.
1: I think one of the things to point out here is that I don't, like you said, you're not going to see, it's going to be rage in these communities. I don't think anyone in these communities ever has been really that outraged by any police shooting. Ever.
0: Well, I mean, rage in their communities. Oh, Michael Brown
1: got, Michael Brown, the criminal, got shot in the face. Was the community really that outraged? But they were made outraged by the efforts of Black Lives Matter in the media. When you pull away that, are that astroturfed agitation, most people are going to do what they normally do, is not really care about it. Even if it happens in their communities, Like everyone's going to go, well, yeah, well, what happened, though? Oh, the guy was a criminal? Like, eh, I can't really care that much. It's only because they had the astroturfed money-supplied agitation by the media and Black Lives Matter that we ever have had any riots or any disturbance or any care – when a black guy when a black guy gets shot by the cops, it only has ever mattered when there was astroturfed agitation by these groups because those groups now want to present a different message to the American people because we have a Democrat administration. They're not going to rabble rouse all in all of these communities. And so you'll just see people doing normally think that they're, they're just not going to care. Now, people might notice that this and say, wait, a guy was shot by the cops and we're not making a big deal out of it? What the hell? So I think there definitely is going to be a disillusionment, and probably it's going to be hard for these groups to fundraise. And there's, I think disillusionment of Democrat activists is definitely a thing that we're going to see more of. But as far as local communities being outraged that no one's taking these things seriously, I don't think they've ever been outraged about it, so I don't know why they'd start now.
0: Okay, you, you, OK, so, yeah, your your application for it was, you know, if it wasn't splashed all over, you know, the front page and if it wasn't, uh, you know, constantly dripped into everyone's, you know, consciousness that you have to be outraged by this. Yeah. Um OK. And, and, yeah. So that does make some sense or that does make sense um what what i'm interested in is how is black lives matter going to make their millions when they're not they're ba- basically to be completely honest they're not allowed to uh, yeah i don't think they're going to and i wonder how that's going to go because they want to i mean they have all those houses yeah. they want to buy yep and you're not seeing police reform bill you know you're not seeing any of the reform that was supposed to happen right so mm-hmm. it, it it's it's a very it's a very it, it's a very interesting situation now similarly um to just bring up the hilarity of the media and all these other things uh because we're heading into the last 10 minutes of the program i i don't want to miss uh discussing the lieutenant colonel that uh, the fa- the fastest decision ever made by the Pentagon in recent months uh, seems to have been to fire a Marine lieutenant colonel who spoke out about the ineptitude of leadership when it comes to Afghanistan. Yep. Now, I'm fascinated by this because, like, first of all, he even admitted, like, I am going to get in trouble for this. And he is yeah. right. He is right. And like, you're not supposed to do that. Now, granted, over the last four years, those norms seem to have gone out the window. Yeah. Because within a day of this Marine Lieutenant Colonel's video going viral, he was, re- he was relieved of his command, relieved for cause. And he is going to get pushed out of the Marine Corps. Right. Because he spoke out about what was going on. Similarly, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindemann not only uh, leaked out a bunch of details of a secure phone call. He also lied to Congress. And let mm. me explain because people's defense right now of how Alexander Vindemann was hailed as a hero, but this Lieutenant Colonel is, you know, deserves to be fired for questioning uh, Joe Biden. Uh, the difference that people are saying is that, well, Alexander Vindman went through the proper channels as a whistleblower, except for the fact that in front of Congress on video that you can go watch. He said he wasn't the whistleblower. <laughs> which is called perjury. If I lied to Congress, I would go to jail. But Alexander yeah. Vindman lies to Congress and he gets promoted.
1: Well, definitely, you know, you want to be you want to be on the side of the regime. really. Yeah. Well, and that just shows you who, it shows you who actually runs the country and wields power within the Pentagon, because it's clearly not people that are aligned with our interests. It's people that are aligned with left wing interests. Those people will cover up for any sort of whistleblowing kind of activity because the, the true power that runs the DOD is the left. It's the Democrat Party.
0: Now, in that vein, I want to share an email that was sent out by the Office of Naval Intelligence. Uh, this mm-hmm. this actually comes from the Daily Wire. We saw this we saw this going around last night, and I, I'm glad somebody confirmed it because I honestly didn't believe it when I first saw it. I thought I thought it was fake. But here it is. Uh, top leadership at the Office of Naval Intelligence informed active duty and retired service members that they cannot condemn President Joe Biden amid the chaotic and now deadly pullout of American troops from Afghanistan. In an email from the ONI's chief of staff, ONI members were reminded that, per a Uniform Code of Military Justice and Department of Defense clause, they cannot disrespect senior government leadership. This includes the President, Vice President, Congress the Secretary of Defense, and more. The email reads, Given the heightened political and social atmosphere surrounding Afghanistan, it is important to remind our uniformed personnel, active duty, and reservists on temporary active duty, and military retirees of their responsibilities and obligations under Article 88 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice and Department of Defense Directive 1344 One zero. While it is vital to protect the constitutional right of freedom of expression for these groups consistent with mission accomplishment, national security and good order and discipline, it is important to remember certain limitations, namely uniformed personnel and military retirees are prohibited from disrespecting senior government leadership. For example, the president, vice president, Congress, secretary of defense, senior service secretaries, etc. Per the same uniform, uh, per the same uniformed personnel policy, ONI members cannot participate in partisan political activity or distribute partisan political literature. An internal ONI member told the Daily Wire that these policies were more relaxed under the Trump administration and recalled retired officers condemning the former president. Now, I want you to understand: we've seen plenty of people condemn Trump throughout his administration. That were in uniform or working on behalf of uniformed uh, personnel. Yeah. Because in this email, it even says even for civilians, you are reminded of the danger that your public comments will or could be attributed to the Office of Naval Intelligence or the Department of Defense. While you are entitled to your opinion, and to share your opinion amongst those you know and trust, being too vocal in criticism of, say, the president or members of the military and civilian leadership may reflect poorly on the Office of Naval Intelligence. It is important to share your opinions if you choose to do so in a professional manner that does not call into question your employment, uh, the Department of Defense, or the federal government as a whole. mm. So suddenly now it is verboten to call up senior leadership and question these people.
1: Yeah, well, Democrats are in power, so you can't really question them. That was, that's kind of always been the rule.
0: Right. Now, my hope is is that how obvious this is does result in senior leaders saying, as, as we saw with this lieutenant colonel, Senior leaders going, all right, I'm done. Mass resignations in the military and the defense department would have in effect. Now, it sucks to make that statement because you're asking people to leave their jobs. And that's very difficult to say. That is a very difficult recommendation to give somebody else. True. You know, hey, how about you leave your job? and make your life more difficult so i can get a win is a difficult thing to say in all fairness mm. but it is the right thing to do yeah i mostly just
1: just don't just have an ounce of actual self selflessness and morality but you know that's that's asking too much of the
0: officer class
3: <laughs>
0: <coughs> um we have a few minutes left. So if you don't mind, why don't you give our audience what makes, and I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't find the Lieutenant Colonel's name. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, I believe Scheller. Okay. Give us, give us your analysis on what makes him so different from a lot of officers that we have had, um, experience with.
1: He was willing to make a sacrifice for the good of the country.
0: Come on. Period. There's that, but what it, what makes him so different to what? Why why the Dep- the Department of Defense is obviously very rotten to its core. There totally. are a, an obscene amount of problems. They are extremely inept, and that is because of how the officer class is basically formulated these days. And this guy showed a very glaring difference. Right. So basically, essentially
1: what this guy did is he put the mission ahead of himself. And I think a lot of times that is not necessarily the case of what happens with the U.S. military officer class. Now, everyone's gonna could pull examples of well, in combat, this selfless officer, blah blah blah. The problem is when we make the distinction between combat and non-combat actions. There should not be a distinction there. Sure, in combat, this officer was it was exemplary, but when they returned home, they were just as selfish and career oriented as everyone else to do things such as. This would be my question to most military officers. Would you take an action that was better, good for the United States, that was good for the United States if it meant your career? Would you stand up for the Constitution if it meant losing your career? Would you stand up for what's right and moral if it meant losing your career? And I think the vast majority of U.S. military officers will basically would answer no to that. Say, no, I, I think the vast majority of military officers, whether they say it or not, whether they believe it or not, their actions speak louder than their words, and the vast majority of military officers prioritize maintaining their career and getting their retirement over doing things that are beneficial to the United States or standing against things that are counter to the United States Constitution or the or the future of America. That And it's not things that happen on the battlefield. In combat, there are plenty of examples of good officers doing good things. But what about in the Pentagon? What about in command positions? What about in garrison back home? The trait is when there is not something glaring, if officers are not going to suffer some sort of glaring criticism like cowardice under fire, they are willing to be as cowardly and self-serving as possible. This guy represents a break from that tradition of the U.S. military officer class because he is essentially saying, I am going to completely throw away my career and the retirement I have spent 17 years working for because this I need to criticize the, the decisions of people uh, higher up the chain of command. Officers do not cr- properly criticize the people higher than them in the chain of command because they're more interested in maintaining their job than doing what's right.
0: You have that's what to, I would say on it you have to yeah. be and, and yeah this will, this will be basically kind of the, the the final out on it to be successful as a military officer, especially when you head into what they call like the flag ratings, you know the the, yeah. the, the real big leadership positions, you have to be a yes man a team player yeah it, it, like it's just like if you think it's different from corporate America, you couldn't be more wrong. The insidiousness of corporate America has influenced the United States military, and part of that reason is because they come from the same place. And so now you have to be a yes-man, or you're never going to make it. You'll never make it as a colonel unless you're an ass-kissy yes-man who plays politics. But that's going to have to be it for the show, and so... We will definitely see you guys next week. Be sure to tune in. It's from noon to two every single Sunday and go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio if you want to help support our program. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio.